This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. There was a uh, carpet layer who was laying carpet, new carpet, in, in this beautiful home, very nice home. And, uh, but after he finished, he noticed that there was a, uh, a lump under the carpet. And he's wondering, what could I have left under there? And after searching around, he realized that he was missing his pack of cigarettes. He says, well, I'm not tearing up this carpet just for a pack of cigarettes. So he went and got a tool and pounded the lump till it was flat. Yeah, after going out to his truck, however, he found his cigarettes on the seat. So he goes back in the house, and the lady who owned the home said, Hey, have you seen my parakeet? Have you seen Tweety? The moral of the story is, things are not always as they seem. Now, as most of you know, next Sunday will be my final Sunday to serve as senior pastor of this wonderful church. And no, I'm not retiring. I'm not resigning. None of that stuff. I'm, I'm still going to be here. I'm just not going to be in the same role. Um, Pastor Alex is going to step into the senior role. I'm going to be an associate. He's been kind enough to let me stay on. <laughs> you got it, you know, so far. Because you know how it is the... Uh, you ever worked anywhere where you're an assistant manager? That's the job you don't want. The assistant manager gets all the doo-doo jobs that the, the main guy doesn't want to. But I'm going to show my son how it is supposed to be when you're an associate pastor. I'm going to demonstrate for him. I'm going to be pastor step and fetch it. I will be going and getting whatever he needs, and I will support him in whatever he does. Step and fetch it, they'll call me. You don't, you don't have to call me Pastor Jim anymore, just Pastor Step and Fetch It. Anyway, next week, this service will be focused on the transition of our new pastor, and that means that this is my final sermon to you, the congregation. And I've labored all week as to what God would have me share today. What is the word I want to leave with you? What do I want to communicate that I hope will resonate with you for the remainder of your days on the earth if I never speak to you again? And the result of my praying and my processing is that I should share a sermon that I have preached before. In fact, I have preached this sermon more times than any other sermon I've ever preached in the last 30 years. You may hear some things that you've heard before. That doesn't mean you should tune me out. I'm convinced that this particular message is God's word for us today. And if you remember only one truth 
from the literally thousands of sermons I preach from this pulpit. I pray it's this one. So I encourage you, lean in. Hear what God is saying to you personally today. Now, our scriptural text is found in the third chapter of Proverbs. Will you read that with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Our subject is faith. What is faith? Do you know? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Have you ever considered that those of us who follow Jesus Christ are putting our confidence in someone we have never seen, never touched? We say we are sure of eternal life and we're certain of a spirit world, but we've never seen it. We're claiming to trust the God of the Bible. And by the way, that's what faith really is, isn't it? Trust. I mean, if you have faith in someone, it means you trust them. In fact, I guess you could say that trusting is the only way we can actually demonstrate our faith. We trust the chair, and we sit. We trust the water, and we drink. We trust the car, and we drive. And yet we have trouble trusting God. Why? Well, because we can see the chair. We can see the water. We can see the cars. We can't see God. By the way, what do you think of when you, when you think of God? I mean, what mental image of God is in your mind when you're praying? Think about it. I mean, how do you picture God? And this is actually very important because mental pictures are more empathetic. They are more long-lasting than words. So the question is, is God really the God of our mental concept? And I'm asking this because, you know, mankind has distorted how we see God. So what is your image of God? Is it a policeman image, you know, waiting for you to do something wrong? Got a club there just ready to smack you? Is it a disciplinarian image, you know, who's ready to punish you? Or is it a cuddly Santa Claus image saying, oh, everything's okay. Come sit on my lap. See, sometimes people think of God as a rejecter rather than an acceptor. And sometimes, on the other hand, we believe he's so understanding and so kind that he'll let us do whatever we want. You may have heard me talk before about the Jewish tradition of teaching their children about trust and distrust. And they do that by putting them up on a high cabinet or a table and telling them to jump. 
Jump. I'll catch you. But daddy, it's so high. Don't worry, son. I'll catch you. Just jump. And so the child jumps. And daddy steps out of the way and lets the child fall on the floor. And then daddy says, I want you to learn from this, son. Don't you ever trust anyone, not even your dad. Now tell me, how easy do you think it will be for that boy to ever trust his parents or trust anyone? And see, it's a similar distorted image of God that causes people to have trouble trusting him. Is the God of your mental image good enough to trust? For you must find someone who is good enough to trust. But then again, who can you trust? I mean, the, no one is good. The Bible says so. So you can't even trust yourself. But do you want to know something wonderful? Even God's enemies can trust him. It's true. You ever notice that he never stops the sun from shining on them? Never stops the rain from watering their plants? He even blesses the tither, even if the tither doesn't believe and follow Christ. Saved or not, he'll bless him. Christ died for God's children. And he also died for his enemies. He died for all mankind. But some people, they just won't trust God because they're afraid he might give them something, you know, not good. They're, they're afraid he might punish them or, or maybe give them some horrible weight to carry. But the psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. James the Apostle, he said, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. You see, they are both trying to encourage us to trust God. They are saying, hey, take a chance. Hey, risk. You can trust God. I can hear some of you saying, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor, risk. We know God loves us, so doesn't he want us to play it safe? Well, I'm going to give you the same answer that I've given before to that. Safety is the opposite of Christian experience. You know why? Because things are not always as they seem. Whenever we look at life from our human point of view, God's plans and God's will and God's directions, God's ways, they don't always make sense to us. We're asked to believe, we're asked to trust, we're asked to have faith in principles and methods and lifestyles that just seem backward. Things like, if you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to receive, give. You want to be great? Then you must be humble. 
It does seem backwards, doesn't it? Romans 12.3 says that each of us are allotted a measure of faith. And then in Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. How is it possible for us to be without faith if each of us has faith? Hmm. See, whenever it seems that you come into two conflicting scriptures, you can be certain that either you have misinterpreted one or both of them. You must make sure that the conclusions that you come to keep harmony with the whole of God's word. So what you do is you look for balancing verses. Where's the balance? For example, James 2, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, pretty clear, faith without action, is dead. Faith without action is like having no faith. You have faith, but you're not acting on it. It's dead. See, faith is a spiritual muscle. And for it to be strong, you must exercise it. And everyone has a measure of faith. There, that faith may be stronger in some than in others, you know why? Because some people exercise their faith more. But the fact remains, every person has been given faith to believe the gospel message. And that message says that God is. That humans rebelled against the authority of God and sinned. And God loved us still so much that he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin. And that, and by the way, here's the good news. If we demonstrate our faith by trusting him, he will forgive our rebellion, take away our death sentence, and grant us eternal life. Praise the Lord. So hear me this morning. Everyone, everyone you talk to, everyone you see, everyone has been given this faith. Everyone has been given the faith to be saved from sin. But as we know, we've also been given a free will. And since that will is truly free, we can use our faith to believe whatever we want. Now, I imagine that most of us in this room have chosen to believe that God exists. Probably wouldn't be here otherwise. And I'm guessing and hoping that most of us have chosen to believe that the Bible is true, that the gospel facts are true. Therefore, we've used our faith to believe these things. But faith without works is dead. I know too many people who believe that reading the Bible and attending church and saying they believe is enough. But they're wrong. They are wrong. All those things do is make them a better sinner. 
Knowing about God simply makes a person a more intellectual sinner. For if you want to be part of God's eternal kingdom, be saved from the consequence of sin, you must demonstrate, say demonstrate, you must demonstrate your faith in Christ by following, say following, by following his example. And the number one lesson that Jesus taught and modeled is, as we learned in Susie's class this morning, obedience. I mean, if even Jesus didn't do what he wanted, he only did what his father wanted. And we're to do the same thing. Jesus was obedient how far? Unto death. And unless we are willing to die to our self-will, unless we are willing to obey Christ, we will have no part in the kingdom of heaven. No matter what you believe. You see, you don't have to be a bad person to go to hell. All you have to do is nothing. We're all born with a ticket to hell in our pocket. So I'll just simply refuse to let Jesus direct your life, and hell will be your destination, your eternal home. Just do nothing. Okay, now the next point I want to make is this. If we do accept Jesus as our master, it's not a one-time thing. It is rather the beginning of a life of surrender to his leadership. It's just like school. From the student's perspective, School is a never-ending series of lessons and studying and tests. Ugh. From the teacher's perspective, however, it is a relatively short time of preparing someone for life. And so it is with us. It can sometimes feel to us like life is just overwhelming and the tests and the trials might actually destroy us. From God's point of view, however, he is in complete control and he's equipping us for a glorious future of ruling and reigning with him. Once again, things are not always as they seem. It's like this one guy. He was out of work, so he took a job at the zoo. The job was he was to fill in for the gorilla until the new, new gorilla arrived. People were coming to the zoo wanting to see the gorilla. So they, you go out there and act like they're, okay. So he sounded pretty simple. So he put on the gorilla suit, <laughs> went outside. And when he came out, oh, the kids in the crowd, they cheered, they screamed. So he thought, hey, just as, instead of just standing around, maybe you ought to put on a little show. So he jumped on this limb that was there, went out over the lion's pit. <laughs> and when he did, the lion roared, the crowd cheered. It was great. It was just great. So the next day, he just couldn't resist. He did it again. But this time when he swung out, the limb broke, and he fell in with the lion. 
Well, immediately the lion approached him and roared loudly, and the man yelled, Help! <laughs> Get me out! And the lion roared again, and the man screamed, Help me! Help me! Save me! And the lion roared again and came closer and said, Will you please shut up? You're going to get us both fired. <laughs> Once again, things are not always <laughs> as they seem. We're talking about faith today. So I'd like for us to consider a few verses from the third chapter of one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Daniel. And it says this, Nebuchadnezzar, don't look at the screen and try to spell it. I never know. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar, what a name. Does anybody know what that means? Alex, you know what it means? Yeah, me either. Okay. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I know his parents didn't like him. <laughs> Had to be. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar said, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. You know, for most of us, I think, our problem is not believing that God is able, but is he willing I love what those young Hebrews said. God is able to save us, and he will rescue us. But, and then after the but, they acknowledge the most neglected attribute of God. His sovereignty. For you see, if God is God, then he can do whatever he wants. Whenever he wants, wherever he wants, and with whomever he wants. He is sovereign. And we need to realize that God doesn't have to do anything. Also realize this, by the way, God's not required to treat everyone alike. Our part, you see, our part is exercising faith. And that is done when we obey, even when the path is not known. Remember our opening verse, Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, we're expected to trust the Lord even when we don't get it. We don't understand. And then when we do that, he will direct our paths. No need for him to direct our paths if we already get it, see the path, we already know what's going on. No, we have to trust and we don't understand. But let's get back to our story in the book of Daniel. Do you remember the story? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
because they wouldn't worship his statue, what did he do? He had the furnace heated seven times hotter than normal, and he tied them up, and he threw them in. But then looking in, he leaped to his feet in amazement and said, Whoa, look, instead of three, I see four men walking around, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And so he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they came out of the furnace unharmed. Their hair wasn't even singed. Their robes weren't scorched. There wasn't even the smell of fire on them. Now listen, now listen. Deliverance is available from God. But deliverance is not the highest goal. Notice God did not deliver the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace. He delivered them in the fiery furnace. They didn't escape the problem. They were helped in the problem. Now, I want to encourage you today. If you're going through Tough times. Don't give up. No matter how bleak, no matter how dark the future looks, don't quit. Any fool can quit, and most fools do. Don't allow yourself to tire of serving God. What does God promise us? Number one, companionship. He's always with us. Just like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And number two, he promises that he has control of the fire. God controls the temptation. He controls the heat of the fire and the trial you're facing. Remember when those Hebrew children came out of the furnace, they didn't even smell of fire. God's promise is, don't bow and you won't burn. All that's necessary, friends, is a trusting heart. And when I say heart, I mean your intellect, your will. Trusting with all your heart indicates that a decision must be made to obey. And that, of course, requires us to trust. And we can. Listen, no, you say I can't. No, you, you can. You have the faith. All we have to do, see, is decide to exercise the faith. Faith is a decision of the trusting heart. So there, I've given you the message that God gave me for today. It's a message I preached in this church from this pulpit six times before. I've never preached anything that many times. But this I have. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because it's the basis for everything. Trust the Lord with how much of your heart? 
And don't trust your understanding. Don't lean on that. In all your ways, how many ways? All your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. If you forget everything else I've ever told you, do that. And you'll be fine. Now, since I've given you the message as clearly as I can, as I know how, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to it. See, the Lord says, unlike the Jewish tradition, the Lord says, I am a good father. Jump into my arms. I will not move out of the way. I will catch you. I know you've been lied to. I know you've been let down. But you can trust me. Will you jump? Will you jump today? He says, please jump. I'm waiting for you. Listen, if you've not fully surrendered your life to Christ, this is your opportunity to exchange your ticket to hell for a ticket to paradise. How, how powerful and moving was the testimony we heard from the water baptism this morning. We've got someone who came to know the Lord and life got big and took her eyes off of the Lord and she went down there. And, but what happened? She recognized, she returned because God is never, ever finished with anyone who will repent. And so she comes back. And says, not only am I going to come back, I'm going to get in front of everybody and I'm going to tell them that I haven't served the Lord like I should have this whole time. That's humility. Nobody wants to do that. Wow, I admire that, Amy. And I've watched her. I've seen her. I've seen her heart for God. And so this is so rich coming back and saying, yes, I want to fully surrender myself to Christ. This is what she's done, and she wanted to testify to that. And then we have a young man who's just a young man, just a young, he's not even a young, he's not even a man yet, he's a boy. He's got a pure, simple heart that says, I, I don't understand everything, but i tell you what I do know. I do know that Jesus loves me, and I love Jesus. If this is what we're, people that love Jesus do, I want to do it. <laughs> so here he so there's Joseph. And then we got Matthew, who, growing up in the church, done and for a while, they, uh, the Ward family went to another church for a little while during, I think it was during the COVID thing and during that stuff. And they got involved there, and, and, and uh, Matthew, he didn't tell that part of the story, but he got involved with a youth group there and stuff. And, he, oh, and a bunch of them were getting baptized. He said, hey, me too. So he ran around and got baptized too. And he, because he wanted to please everybody. But last Sunday, this just happened a couple years ago he did that. Last Sunday, though, in a class, all of a sudden, during church, when we're doing this thing, he realizes, you know, I haven't been really serving the Lord like I should. I don't think I've really sold out. And he said, I want to. And so he did. And what did he do? Immediately. Not like some of you that still need to get baptized. 
No, immediately he said, I want to follow. If that's what God wants, I'm doing it. I'm in. And here they were. I want to tell you, when you fully surrender, but if you've not done that, if you've not fully surrendered, that's not like, oh, you're horrible. It's just you haven't fully surrendered. And if you haven't, I want to ask you, do you want it? I know it appears risky. I know it looks like the end when you surrender. <laughs> but things aren't always as they seem. You see, the reality is this is not the end. It's the beginning. Do you want it? Will you bow your heads with me? If you've not fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and you want to, you say, no, I want to. Will you raise your hand? And when you do, just look at me so I can, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything. I just want to pray for you. You haven't totally surrendered your life to Christ, but you know you should. You want to. Thank you. I see, I see your hand. I see your hand, too. Thank you. Thank you. I see. You can, put, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Now, I want to speak to you who are already, with your eyes still closed, you're already Christians. You've already made a decision for Christ, but you've been experiencing some struggles in your life. If you've been struggling in your employment, you've been struggling maybe in your marriage, your physical health, your finances, your morality, your spiritual life, or any other area you're struggling in, will you demonstrate your trust right now? You're a Christian, but you have struggled in these areas, and you're struggling right now, and you don't want, you want help. Will you demonstrate your trust in God just by standing right now? Just stand. And when you do, we're going to pray for you. Once again, not an attempt to embarrass you. It's an attempt to give you a chance to move, to take a stand for Christ and say, yes, I trust God, and I want him to touch me. Praise the Lord. All of you. Now, now the rest of you guys that raised your hand to surrender your life to Christ, will you stand with these others? Just so you're standing too? Now, everybody, please repeat this prayer after me. We're, understand it's not, you're not praying to me. You're praying to God. I'm just helping you with some words. And so let's pray this. Almighty God, I acknowledge your power and your holiness. And I thank you for your love. I admit that I need you. Please forgive my sins and grant me eternal life. I admit that I need your direction and I need the courage to follow it. I now exercise my faith and surrender my will to you. Have your way in me, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now say with me out loud, things aren't always as they seem. Now say all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.